Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 124, and we are pleased to have on Heather Graffling, the head girls basketball coach at Central Lion High School in Rock Rapids, Iowa. Uh, but before we bring Coach on, we, of course, want to thank our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balanced neck or spinal issues, have them go see COSAC Chiropractic. You can check out their practice at COSACChiro.com. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. Of course, if you're listening, you're on iTunes, so be sure to download this, rate it, review it, give us five stars so that we can get the word out to gain momentum in the ratings and help as many coaches as we can to hone their craft. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at appenandanapkin at gmail.com. And of course, check out the new and improved appenandanapkin.com. If I could ever get that paywall figured out on the stupid uh videos here we got a bunch of videos from our clinic from a couple of weeks ago a lot of really really good stuff up there so go out and check out a pen and a napkin.com coach grafling how are you this fine sunday early afternoon i'm doing great how are you doing i'm i'm hanging in there uh just trying to survive the windstorms of the midwest here uh the last few weeks and uh you know, my, my daughter had prom last night, and we didn't quite get blown away, but it wasn't a whole lot of fun taking pictures out there either. But, uh, you know, uh, we're surviving. We're surviving. So, um, Coach, thanks so much for coming on the podcast this week. Uh, really excited to have you on. Talk some hoops here. And, and you ready to just dive in and get going? You bet. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, uh, like we do normally here, uh, you know, for the folks that don't know a lot about you, uh, tell us a little bit about your basketball journey, how you ended up at, at Central Lion High School, and, you know, Siouxland Conference proud here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, first of all, I'm uh, from Little Rock, Iowa, which again up here in, uh, in northwest Iowa, and graduated from George Little Rock High School in 1999. Um, after that, I went to Northwestern College in Orange City. I had a great time there playing for, for Coach Wildstrom and the Red Raiders. Um, my freshman year, uh, we made it to the national championship game and, and lost uh, to the University of Mary that year. And the following year, in 2001, we were able to go back and, and win the championship um, by beating Albertson. So I had a great, great experience in, in college, some amazing, awesome teammates, um, and just a ton of respect for uh, for my, my college coach, Coach Wachstra, somebody that I still really look up to a lot. Um, after graduation, I went to this teeny tiny little town. I'd never heard of it before, um, but uh, I got a job at Charter Oak, uh, Iowa, Charter Oak Ute. Mm-hmm. Actually, Charter Oak Ute as a uh, high school uh, has now dissolved, but they ha- still have, I believe it's a K-8 building uh, in Charter Oak. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was down in Charter Oak Ute um, from the 2003 to 2008. Um, just had a fantastic time down there. Some some great kids. You had mentioned earlier when we were talking, um, worked with Brian Young. Uh, Sheldon, Sheldon native, uh, mm-hmm. sort of fresh out of fresh out of college. I got to uh, to coach with him, and, and that was a lot of fun. Um, and so we had, like I said, a very talented group of girls down there. Uh, in 2005, we uh, uh, we won class one A. We were state champs. Uh, small school, really small school. So uh, I didn't get a little a lot of opportunity as far as coaching a, a JV or a freshman team because we just didn't have the numbers. Uh, but I'm very grateful that uh, you know Brian DeYoung. 
allowed me to really have a hands-on uh, opportunity with the varsity. And, and uh, I remember, you know, after I got started there, he kind of coached the offense, I coached the defense. And so to have a, a head coach, you know, give, you know, a kid right out of college that much responsibility on early talents, a team uh, that really had a huge impact on my coaching career. Um, and, and the fact that those girls were so talented, it, you kind of had, had to learn fast, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how to do this coaching thing. So, yeah, we were able to uh, get down to state twice uh, in basketball down at uh, Charter Oak, three times in softball. Uh, and just had a great time down there. Mm-hmm. Um, so after Charter Oak, my, my now husband, uh, but at the time my fiance, uh, Brady Grafing, he was from Rock Rapids, which is where we live now. Uh, he was actually down at Fort Benning. Uh, he was a member of the uh, 75th Ranger Regiment. So he was an Army Ranger. And uh, so he had made the decision while I was at Charter Oak that he was he was ready to come back home. And so there was an opportunity to get a job at uh, back in my old high school, actually, George uh-huh. Litterack. Yeah. And so accepted a position there at uh, George Litterack. And I was at George Litterack from 2008 until 2014. Got to take a team in 2009. Uh, got to take a, a basketball team down the state tournament while we were at George Litterack. So that was a lot of fun. Um, and then in 2014, um, made the decision to head a, a few miles over um, and took a position here at Central Lion, and, and this is where I've been ever since. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it's a it's a terrific journey. You you you're bringing back some scars here. I was a, an assistant coach at Briar Cliff that lost to that Albertson team that you beat oh, in the semifinals. Sure. <laughs> so again, it's the small world after all type of a thing yes it is that, that yeah that right they had uh was that jamie sale that was coaching then yes yes right. okay yeah yep, was, yeah i remember that was some there was some big battles uh that was a pretty big rivalry yeah uh, when i was at college absolutely yeah that was that was uh we were really good you guys were really good uh albertson couldn't miss the night that we played them not that i'm still bitter about it it's only been 22 <laughs> years or so but uh well then i'm gonna bet the, the name rachel Benaboos probably uh rings a bell in your head yeah she and, was and, kind of a terror yeah, and yeah. We're, i'm gonna wake up in a cold sweat uh tonight <laughs> because uh you know i haven't thought of that name for about 20 years yeah. or so and uh yeah thanks for thanks for that heather yeah I, I, well i'm glad i'm really happy i can bring up some good memories for you you know she was rachel that's so funny um Obviously, she's a heck of a player. I got to be, uh, I got the honor of being her, um, I don't know if you want to call it a practice dummy. I was I was her <laughs> sub. So when she got tired, which was, you know, especially my freshman, sophomore year, she didn't get tired a whole lot. Being new Rachel, she was a competitor. Uh-huh. Uh, but Coach Wildshire gave me the awesome um, job of getting to basically guard Rachel uh, in most of our practices. And I had, you know, a black eye once. Um, you know, she's she's a competitor. But I tell you what, she made me a better player. And, mm-hmm. and you know, you can't be around a, a player of that caliber and not learn from her. So that's so funny. Yeah, I remember those battles with Briarcliff. Those were pretty intense. Yeah. Uh, what... Uh... What did what were some of the things that you took from uh, from her as a player? How how have you tried to sell that to your kids in the same situation? Maybe you have a a talented freshman, uh, but there's a really really talented junior or senior, and they're uh, that's ahead of them, and they're like, ah, you know, man, I wish you know I'm getting ten minutes a game, but I feel like I should be getting twenty minutes a game. Uh, has that helped you in those situations to to sell that that role uh, role responsibility that role fulfillment? Oh, without a doubt. You know, you, you, like most kids, when you go into college, um, I was coming off of being in high school. You know, most kids that go play in college, you're one of the best players in high school. You know, you don't come off the floor, um, and so going into Northwestern. 
you know, part of the reason why I chose Northwestern was I could see that this was a team that uh, was competitive, that was Christ-centered. And, you know, I just, I wanted to be a part of something special. And I really felt like as Coach Wildshire was recruiting me, I really felt like Northwestern was a special place. Um, but yeah, as far as, you know, with Rachel, when you, when you walk in the gym, you know, it's a little intimidating. Uh, Rachel's class, there was, we had a bunch of seniors and, and the uh, class that graduated before her, Jackie Olson, Gina, uh, Gina Schmidt, they had a really talented group too. So there was so much I could tell right away that uh, I had a lot to learn. Um, but Coach Walsher did such a phenomenal job of making sure that if you weren't one of the starting five or, you know, one of the kids that played, you know, the majority of the minutes, you had a role and it was important. And so he was really good. You know, when I walked in, um, he said, you know, here's your job. That's Rachel. Um, and you're going to make her better. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I had to, I specifically, I, I'll have to uh, uh, give Rachel a call and she can hear my story maybe on here. Uh, but I remember there was one time, I can't remember who we were preparing for and coach said, you know, HB, you've got to be honored. You've got to be on her tight and, and don't let her give her any space. So there we are drilling or whatever. And I'm trying to stay, you know, right on, right on her and not giving her any space or anything. And she kind of got sick of me not knowing what coach had told me. And she came off a screen and I came off there with her. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, she turned around. She didn't intentionally elbow me, but I was too close and, and got one right in the eyeball and huge black eye. And she <laughs> felt so bad. Uh, and I just remember coach going, hey, you know, you're all right. Hey, thanks. You're doing a good job, you know. So, yeah, you know, I've been that I've been on the, the, the role on the team where you're kind of the scrub and, and you're the one that's uh, pushing other players. But in guarding somebody that's that talented, it, without a doubt, helped me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, understanding, you know, coach, like I said, was so good about telling the rest of us, like, you know, your role is important. We don't win without you. You know, mm-hmm. you need to do your job. And 100%, um, that is something that I preach to my own kids. You know, later on, we want to talk about the Central Lion team that we had this year. Um, but I had a, a group of, of scout players and they took their job serious and we made sure that we, uh, you know, the rest of the group, the coaches, players told them a lot, how much we appreciated them, how much we appreciated their efforts and their work. Um, it truly is, you know, a, a team thing and there is no role that's, that's too small. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, in my first mm-hmm. two years of college, I was fortunate, I, you know, I got on the floor a little bit here and there. Um, but two things that I learned was, you know, just from guarding people like Rachel and being around a player of that caliber, you know, you, you get better yourself, but also the competitiveness, you know, learning, just being around, not just her, but my other teammates as well. Sarah Fredrickson uh, was another player. She was a year older, uh, older than me, but just the, the competitive nature of those guys and, and learning what it truly means to compete night in, night out, to, to be in a practice every single night where Coach Wildstra demanded our best and my teammates did did too. Um, it just really honestly uh, was something that was huge as far as my development as a player and has definitely impacted myself as a coach too. Mm-hmm. What about your Uncle Jeff? Oh, I love my Uncle Jeff. Yeah, I would um, hope so. <laughs> yeah, he, I, tell you, I come from a, I guess you would call us a basketball family. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I had, uh, you know, my, my aunt Carla, Carla used to be Carla Black, um, Carla Schilling now, uh, but she actually has a Litterax record before we were George Litterax. She has the scoring record in Litterax. Um, and I can remember uh, a young as a young player, uh, I remember being at Sidley O'Cheaton and I was a freshman in high school. And, and after the game, somebody walked up to me and, you know, Heather Block, you know, saw my name and said, you related to Carla Block? And I said, yeah, that's my aunt. And he went off for a long time telling me how great of a ball player she was. Um, you know, my dad played. Um, I have cousins. Uh, a lot of my cousins uh, played at Northwestern. Um, my, probably the cousins that are most 
I would say well known. Um, I have some cousins that played over at Ellsworth, Minnesota. Um, mm-hmm. The Schilling, the Schilling boys. So Kurt, Kurt and Cody and Casey uh, played up there. Brought Ellsworth a couple of state championships. Uh, you know, North, uh, Kurt played at Northwestern. Uh, Cody and Casey played up at Augustana. Uh, Casey actually got to win a national championship over at Augustana. Um, and so, you know, we have all of that. And in the middle of that, I have my uncle Jeff. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, if you're familiar at all with Boydenhall basketball, uh, Jeff Maine has has been around and been a part of that program for a long time. He actually just retired last year. Um, but he was one, even when I was at Charter Oak, you know, he was one I would call a lot. You know, there's a scout and film or whatever and, and wanted another perspective. Uh, he's just got such a mind for the game. And he, I mean, when he when he gives you advice, you listen. And even this year, you know, we won uh, Central Line this, this year. We played Ridgeview uh, for our sub-state game. And my Uncle Jeff and his wife, uh, my Aunt Sherry, were there. And even after that game, you know, got a big hug from him. Congratulations. And then there's always a, hey, remember, you know, this, this, and this. And and I just appreciate that so much about him. You know, it was a little different when I got to George Little Rock uh, after leaving Charter Oak because Boyd Hall is in, our, you know, the Siouxland. So, you know, we didn't probably talk as much, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just then. But uh, at the same time, he's just always been somebody I look up to. The thing about my Uncle Jeff that I just appreciate so much, he's so humble. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody that's familiar with Boyd Hall basketball knows how talented they've been, what their program's like. And I really, even in my own program too, I'm really fortunate to have amazing assistant coaches. Um, But, you know, the development that happens at the JV level has a huge impact on that varsity level. And and Jeff has been very content over his years of coaching. He never really wanted to move into that head position. Uh He wanted, he, he, he understood that his, what he was doing and he understood that he had an important job and he had those players at the JV level ready uh, at the varsity level. So when you talk about player development, uh, he's one of the best examples I have, but of all the success that he's had, um, just the humbleness, mm-hmm. like he's just so humble. And, and that's really impacted me as well. And reminded me that no matter what, you know, you got to keep it about the kids. And, and so, yeah, so much that I've, I've learned from, uh, from my uncle, but, uh, still somebody, like I said, I could call him up today and, and still get advice from him. Yeah. Um, you know, you 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 talk about the Siouxland Conference, and you know, when when I was in high school, uh, my high school was not in the Siouxland, but now they are, uh, mm-hmm. and you're and you're bringing up a lot of names, uh, Boyden Hall and, and Rock Valley and Rock Rapids and so forth and so on. But probably your guys' biggest rival is West Lyon, and <laughs> you know, here you are. What's Rock Rapids and and Larchwood away or Inwood away from each other, maybe 15, 20 miles, 15 miles, 15 yeah, miles. About 15 miles yeah. and you both had really big runs in the state tournament this year. Uh, you know, what are those Friday nights when you're, you know, two times a year and, and you're either going, you're staying at home or you're driving West 15 miles. Uh, what makes that rivalry so great? You know, it is. It's definitely, I've been a part of, uh, over the years of coaching, I think this is my 19th year of coaching, if I'm adding everything up right. Um, I've been part of some some crazy rivalries. Um, you know, going back to my Charter Oak days, uh, IKM, now yep. it's IKM Manning. Uh, but we actually played in 2005, um, we played IKM, our conference rival, in the state championship game and beat them by two. And that was like, Anybody that's listening that knows anything about the old Charter Oak IKM games, we would like need security guards there. Like it got <laughs> intense, and almost every game somebody got tossed out. 
if Brian DeYoung's listening, he got tossed out uh, one time, actually. It was my, my first year right out of college. And Good work, He got Hank. tossed out. Yep. And, and, and he it wasn't the game wasn't going very well for us. And I, I still remember when he got tossed out, he looked at me and he said, don't let them score 100. And he, and he was gone. And I'm like, what? what do you, what do you? So he still owes me for that one. He kind of left me hanging there. <laughs> um, but when you talk about, you know, the, the rivalry with West Lyon is definitely, as far as competitiveness, is, is nothing different. Uh, you know, than those old Charter Oak ICAM. But there is so much of a respect between the two uh, the two districts. And, and talking specifically basketball, there's just a lot of respect between the two programs. Um, you know, we definitely want to beat each other. Uh, not this past season, the season before, we split with them. Um, we beat them, and then they, they turn around and beat us. Uh, this year, they got the better of us both times. Um, and you, and we, we play hard and we do everything we can, but at the end of the night, uh, you know, there's still handshakes. Um, and then, you know, once the season's, the regular season's over and we move into postseason, uh, we help each other out as much as we possibly can. Yeah. Uh, you know, we want to see their success has no bearing on Central Lions success. So, you know, we do what we can, cheer those guys on, you know, down the state tournament it was really fun to be able to go down and, and not only play, but on the nights where we weren't playing, being able to go down and cheer on West Lyon. Um, so, yeah, we definitely, there's definitely a rivalry there. We want to beat each other as, as much as we can. Uh, but at the end of the night, I, I just appreciate that Coach Brasser and his staff and, and just the communities, there's there's a lot of respect between the two communities too. Mm-hmm. What is it about that, that, that four to six corners of Northwest Iowa, maybe eight, <laughs> that just, it's it's just such good basketball year in, year out? It is crazy good basketball. Um, I don't think people realize, you know, how much. Uh, and it's been like that. You know, again, going back to my Charter Oak in, in 05, uh, in the semifinals, we played George Little Rock, my old high school. And I can still remember the Charter Oak girls. You know, you look at George Little Rock's record, you know, I think they had like six losses or something like that. I can't remember right now. But some of the Charter Oak girls are looking, oh, they have six losses. I said, don't you, don't be fooled for a minute. I know where George Little Rock plays. I know what it's like up there. They're, they're ready, and they were ready. Uh, we were fortunate enough to beat them, but at the same time, uh, even back when I was playing, uh, Siouxland Conference, this part of the Iowa, is crazy good. Um, you know, even going on the boys' side, uh, mm-hmm. the Class 2A, uh, you know, Central Lion, our boys got to the championship game. We play in Rock Valley. You know, the year before, Boyden Hall was in it. Yeah. So, you know, I just think it's something where, in a way, I, I do think that, you know, when you're, like, for here, us at Central Lion, it's like you're always wondering, what's that other team doing? You know, yeah. is West Lion working harder than us? Is, is Boyden Hall working harder than us? And I just think it really, in that regard, has raised the bar as far as expectations for basketball in Northwest Iowa. Mm-hmm. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the a pen and a napkin video library. You, uh, you, uh, the last couple of years, you've, you've had some tough luck. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you went and, and we're going to talk about your, your state title game run here in, in just a little bit. Uh, but the two or three years before that, you were kind of, 
hitting your head on that glass ceiling and, and yeah. just couldn't just couldn't get through. Uh, you know, how did you address that with your team? I mean, you know, I'm sure the first year it was like, hey, great run, here we are, but then boom, we hit it again, and then boom, right. we hit it again. You know, how did you keep the the program moving forward and not just feel like, oh man, maybe we are we're, you know, maybe we're a little snake bit. Uh, you know, it's not so much physical as it is mental. You know, how did you keep your group moving forward during those frustrations of being oh so close yet oh so far yeah. away? You know, it is. And, and I don't, years ago, um, you know, he was actually our, my superintendent down at Charter Oak, but, you know, years ago he had told me too, it, it takes a little luck too. It can't yeah. just be about talent. Um, yeah. When I, my first year at Central Lion, uh, two years prior, um, is when Central Lion had won a state title in class 1A. Mm-hmm. So the hype and the excitement about basketball before I took over, you know, as head coach, that was there. Uh, they were fresh off of that state championship. Uh, when I first came here, uh, my first year, there actually wasn't a coaching position open. So I was kind of thinking, well, maybe this is my time to, you know, I just had uh, my son was my oldest was one at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Regan, now he's my, my little coaching buddy. But at the time <laughs> he was young. And and so I thought, well, maybe this is the good Lord's way of saying it's time to focus on something else. As soon as I signed my contract at Central Lion, an assistant position opened up. And uh, I, I was an assistant underneath um Bruce Eckenrod and Dan Cruz. And so in 2015, we qualified for state. So again, a lot of hype, a lot of little kids excited about it. And then that following year is when I took over. Um, and, you know, we had good athletes. Uh, I joke with the girls. The girls, if they're listening, then they won't be offended. I, I used to joke I have volleyball players and basketball jerseys. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. they were our, our volleyball program is phenomenal here at Central Line as well. And so I had a bunch of athletes, but none that really specifically focused on basketball and their skill sets there. Uh, so we were we were 500 my first year, about 500 the sec- my second year. And then all of a sudden, you know, through the, the little kid camps that we've done and things like that, you start to see those kids that kind of got that, that twinkle in their eye a little bit. And so we were fortunate to get some kids that started to move into the high school program that wanted to win and that had put the time in the gym. Uh, so, yeah, like you said, you know, we, we, we were hitting, I think, two years ago, we were 18 and six, had a really good team, got to the sub-state game. And that year I had a really good group of senior leaders. Um, you know, one of them right now is playing at Northwestern, uh, Sutton Slumbum. Um, one of them plays volleyball out at South Dakota School of Mines, so a really good athlete, Kylie Metzger. So we had a really good group of kids, and we played Western Christian uh, in a sub-state game. And that group of kids, uh, there was nobody on my on my squad that had ever played in a sub-state game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I, I, you know, we went and played it at, it was, I played at George Little Rock. Uh-huh. And you could just tell that when the game, you know, towards the end, things got a little bit tight and you could just tell that those Western Christian girls and not just basketball, but other sports, they played in those big games and there, and, and we just had it. Yeah. yeah. And you could just kind of tell like there was a calm on their end. And on our side, it was like a, you know, a little bit of, oh, you know, we're this close. What what happens if we lose? And we did end up, we ended up uh, losing to Western uh, that year in the sub-state game. And so I think that really motivated the kids that were coming back. Um, and then the following year, so in 2021, um, had a fantastic year uh, and ended up getting upset on our home court uh, against Emmitsburg. Mm-hmm. And so we were 20 and three that year. And our third loss was was at home, um, one game shy of the sub-state game. And yeah, like you said, too, it did. It felt like, what do we got to do, you know, to get down there? 
again, called my uncle Jeff and uh, I said, you know, what, what I have all this talent, you know, what am I doing wrong? Why can't I get these kids down to Des Moines? Um, and I can still remember, you know, Jeff, what he said to me, he says, you'll, you'll break through that door. And he says, once you break through it, then you're going. So he said, you just got to stay the course. Mm-hmm. And so that really encouraged me to not get frustrated and to not, you know, uh, get down and out the, the locker room. I remember getting with the Emmitsburg after the Emmitsburg game, there was that feeling of how did this happen again? You know, yeah. we got to substate the game the, the year before and, you know, we got that close and, and it was just, it was, there was some frustration, um, but one thing that I learned, uh, you know, reflecting back on the Emmitsburg game throughout that summer is my kids, you know, know my expectations, but there was never anything written. Like we didn't have any visual, like here's what, here's what my expectations are of you guys, whether we're winning or losing, whatever. Um, because for me, they, you know, my kids as, as people are way more important than my kids as players. Mm-hmm. And so that's where, um, you know, we kind of came up, we call them our pillars of success, but over the summer, we just kind of came up with this, all right, visually, here's what our team and our program is going to be about. And I do feel like that really helped us this year. And obviously this year, we were able to break through that that ceiling and, and get down to Des Moines. So let's talk about that journey down in Des Moines. Uh, you, uh, you know, let's just kind of go through it here a little bit game by game. You get down there and you kind of bust through. And then sometimes the, the hardest game to play down there is the first one. That is uh, true. <laughs> because you, you want to get going. And you were up big at halftime. Not big, big, but you had a double-digit lead enough, at halftime. Yeah. And then Cascade just kind of chipped away, chipped away. And, and you you end up winning uh, essentially at the buzzer on a yeah, little floater. Uh, you know, what, you know, and, and then you rolled... In the semifinal, you won that pretty comfortably, and then, of course, unfortunately, you lose the uh, the title game. Uh, but but two questions about that: What did you learn about your your kids in that week long stretch? What did you learn about your your kids and your program as you made that journey to the title game, even though you came up a little bit short at the end? Mm-hmm. You know, and and really, I guess I got to start before that because you know. Like I said, when we lost that Emmitsburg game the year before, um, I lost one senior. Um, so I graduated one senior from that team. She actually started for Dort uh, this year. Dort made it to the NEIA uh, mm-hmm. championship game. So that tells you the amount of talent that Hayden had. But this group that I had returning, um, you know, before the season even started, you know, I told them this needs to be, you know, if you looked at, and, and I know you don't have the, but the very foundation of our pillars of success is mutual respect and cooperation. And there were times the year before that we didn't necessarily work as a team very well. And so that was from the get-go this season. It was about us as a group. It was about us as a team. And so the group that I have, you know, I've got a kid, uh, you know, Addison Klosterborn. Anybody that's watched this, you know who that is. Any night she wanted to, she could score 20, 25 points. I Mm -hmm. guarantee it. But she gives up some of those points to get her teammates involved because we knew that's what it was going to take. You know, Emmitsburg, one of the things that they did was they just keyed on, you know, our main scorer. And then all of a sudden we, we kind of threw us off. This year we were we were truly, truly, truly a team in every aspect of that word. And so the entire year, if you play in the student conference, every night is a battle. It doesn't matter the record of who you're playing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter where you're playing you need to be ready. And so all year you see this group of girls that truly did not care who scored as long as we scored. And so going into the state tournament, we had uh, four people. I think I'd want my fourth was just under 10 points a game, but 
basically had four four of my kids averaging double figures. Um, and that really did help a ton because you don't, it makes us tougher to guard. You know, you can't just key on Addison, um, because her teammates are going to step up. And so, you know, with the Cascade game, you know, that teamwork, that was a huge part of that. Um, you know, Cascade, they are, we're going to live and die by that two, three zone. You know, they have a huge history down at the state tournament, fantastic coach. Uh, that's that's taken his team down there, you know, plenty of times. Uh-huh. And so when you're a team like us, we have great shooters. Um, Addison's a fantastic shooter, but we also have, you know, Kaylee Davis, who, you know, is a fantastic three-point shooter. We have after Slumbum who stepped up, hit some shots for us. Like, we've got kids up and down the lineup that can shoot, but if a team's going to pack it in a 2-3, if your shot's off, you know, you you could be in trouble uh, if, you're, uh-huh. if you're not hitting when they pack it in. So, when we played Cascade that first half, we did a great job. We didn't want to – our whole thing is we don't want to live and die by a three-point shot. We'll take sure. it when it's there. We'll take it when it's a good shot. Um, but we aren't just going to just jack up threes and cross our fingers. Yeah. Um, and so we did a great job the first half uh, getting it inside. Um, we've got a phenomenal sophomore uh, sophomore post player, Desta Hugadorn. Um, I think she's a little bit – I think people kind of overlook how good she is. And so we were able to get her touches in the inside. Reagan Benoit another one. She's kind of our four-player uh, was able to drive and get some buckets. Um, and then, you know, halftime, we, we knew that, you know, we felt good with where we were, but at the same time, you're playing a team that's been in the state tournament. Yeah. How many, I think it was like eight times in the last how many years, I can't remember right now, but uh, we knew they weren't going to go away. And in the second half, we started rushing shots a little bit, started missing shots, giving them more opportunities. Um, but when you play again, I go back to that Sunland Conference, when, when you play night in, night out, teams as good as they are up here, mm-hmm. the kids weren't really nervous. Um, you know, at the end, you know, we lost our, the lead that we built up. Um, and then that fourth quarter kind of went back and forth a little bit. And with about a minute left, it was tied. And, you know, shot clock wasn't there yet. Otherwise, you know, <laughs> my game plan would have been out the window. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I have is I, along with great shooters and great defenders, I've got kids that can handle the ball. And so there was a timeout that was called. I think there was 47 seconds left. And I pulled the girls in and, and just looking at them, you know, this is a group that a really tight knit group of girls and, and I'm really close with them. And there was nobody in that huddle that didn't think we weren't going to win that game yet. And so we talked about, you know, hey, we're going to run this set play, um, but we aren't going to we aren't going to attack until there's six seconds left. Um, we didn't necessarily, you know, point out Desta's going to get that shot because yeah. sometimes, uh, you know, as a coach, I've learned in those situations if you tell those kids in the huddle, this person's going to get the shot, it's almost like they, they're just so focused on getting the ball to that person, they give up some opportunities. And, and so our whole thing was with under six seconds, we start our attack. Whoever has the best look, you get it on the rim. Um, you know, so a lot of people, I know they were they were going to key on Addie, um, and I knew that. And so she was kind of actually a decoy. If you ever go back and watch that play, we kind of swung her up the middle, hoping to pull uh, some of those the two top defenders uh, from that 2-3 zone, hoping to pull them up with her. And our two post players, our 4-5, and five, Reagan Benoit and Desta, did a fantastic job. Reagan got the ball. You know, Desta cut across the lane. And absolute perfect timing. Desta, Desta put it up. Desta hit the shot. And, and definitely will be a game that I will remember forever. That was that was a lot of fun. Yeah. What, uh, you know, as you went through that week, uh, you, you learned that about your kids. What did you learn about yourself during that during that run? Um, you know, again, not just the state tournament, but the whole year, um, you've got to keep, uh, you know, you've got to keep it about the kids. And, and just the, the most important part of all of this 
is the relationship that you build uh, with those kids. You know, for me, I've always been a coach that my my players mean a ton to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not just bas- not us on the basketball floor, but, you know, just I- anything they're doing in life. You know, I'm one that will check in with them a lot. You know, even the kids that have graduated, send text messages out, hey, how are things going and so on. Um, but I think for myself, it just felt so good for the girls. This group of kids, um, I've been to the state tournament. I've had that experience to let them get that experience of playing in Des Moines. And, and not only that, but getting all the way to the championship game. Um, I was just so happy for them. You know, for me, it was an absolute, absolute blast. I had a great time. Um, but it meant so much to me that this group of girls got that experience. And so I think it just really, uh, you know, solidified that I'm, you know, the reason I coach isn't necessarily, you know, for state championship games. It's for those kids. Um, but boy, when you can get a good group and, and get to that down to Des Moines and get to state championship game, that was, uh, that was just really a fun year for us. Mm-hmm. Coaches, I love doing a pen and a napkin. It is something that was intended to become a hobby, but it has become a passion and a blessing in my life. I love helping coaches, and I hope that I've been able to help you in some way, shape, or form. I want to do more, but I need your help to do that. I've recently opened up a Patreon page to help a pen and a napkin grow even further, and I'd appreciate any help that you would be willing to give to a pen and a napkin. From the layup tier, and for as little as $3 a month, to the three-point tier, Your generosity will enable a pen and a napkin to grow and develop even greater projects than we've already done. For more information, go to apenandanapkin.com and go to the Patreon link or go to patreon.com backslash apenandanapkin. Coach, at this time each week we have our John Wooden quote of the day. Uh, We like to quote great coaches on a pen and a napkin and it doesn't get much better than John Wooden. Uh, so I'm going to read a John Wooden quote here, and uh, if you would like to comment on it, feel free to do so. Uh, this right. is from uh, page 71 of Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations. Coach, are you ready for the I'm John ready. Wooden coach, uh, quote of the day? Let's do this. All right. The John Wooden quote of the day is, Praise can be a dangerous commodity. It is given for what was done in the past and can take your mind off of what you must do to prepare for the future. I love that one, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because you're you're thinking about your future, and you know, you know, like for you guys, you, you have this great run this year. You've got your your couple of main players back. Everybody just kind of assumes, hey, we did this last year, blah blah <laughs> blah. We're gonna go and do it again next year. It's gonna be a breeze. And it's like, no, 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 no. We have to work just as hard, if not harder, to make this happen again. Oh yeah, and that's without I know that that that's probably a perfect uh, quote for for me and the crew that I have right now. Um, yeah, there's you know if you if you just look back if you know next next November comes around and and we're just having so much fun looking back at what we did this year, um, it isn't going to end well for us. Um, you know, it's it's crazy. You know, you work so hard to get down to the state tournament, and like you said, we couple years we were knocking on the door and we couldn't couldn't seem to break through uh now that we did it, you'd like to think it gets easier but it actually gets tougher uh, you know we talk a lot with the girls about the target that we have on our back and and that target got a lot bigger 
Um, so yeah, you know, it's, it's, it, there's, there's a balance there between, you know, next season saying, Hey guys, be confident in what we can do. Look, look what we did last year. But at the same time, you know, our rebounds, you know, last season, they're not going to help us this upcoming season. You know, we've mm-hmm. got to go and we've got to do this again. And then it's, it's going to be a battle every night. But, uh, I would say that quote would uh, definitely be a, a good one for, for my group and what we have coming up in November. Well, when you put it on the summer t-shirts, just be sure to get a pen and a napkin as much credit as you do, John. We'll give you a shout out. We'll give you a shout out. Greatly appreciated. So, (laughs) Uh, well, coach, let's jump into your X's and O's philosophy here. Uh, Let's start with your transition philosophy. You you guys like to push tempo. You like to get it up and down the floor. Uh, You know, what what do you like to run with that? Uh, What are you doing in practice? to get that tempo geared up and, and playing at the speed that you guys want to play at. And I'm just going to turn it over to you. And if, sure. uh, if a question pops up in my mind, I'll try to try to pop it in there. Uh, but you just go ahead and, and let it rip here, coach. You, you bet. Well, you know, any coach that's listening knows, you know, it's an old saying, but it's so true that you're going to play how you practice. Um, you know, I'm not a coach and I don't think I'm unique in this. I'm not a coach that puts the kids on the line and runs line drills you know, to get them in shape or, or whatever. That just doesn't happen. Um, or at least very rarely does that happen. We, every drill that we run, uh, at least the ones that we run, uh, you know, in a consistent manner, it's all, it, it all revolves around fast breaks. Um, the passing, the finishes, the secondaries. Um, so when you, you know, if you were to watch us practice and then you turn around and watch us on a Tuesday or Friday night, you're going to be able to see how that translates into what we do on those, you know, those nights we have games. So I, the biggest thing is, is you, we just drill, drill, drill. Uh, you know, we always get the, again, this goes back to coach Wildstra getting wide, you know, on transitions. That was a big thing when I played at Northwestern was we wanted to get up and down the floor. Um, and that's something that I've carried with me as a coach. And so, yeah, just, you know, making sure the kids, every drill we do, they're getting out wide around, you know, where the volleyball volleyball lines are, Um, our finishes. We do a lot of shooting and finishing around the rim with pressure. Um, I don't know how many other coaches uh, use uh, like the the football pads in Mm -hmm. practice. Uh, but oh, we yeah. have, we have, we have pads. I have uh, boxing gloves, uh, that I'll put on and try to strip the ball out of the girls' hands. Um, but just, you know, we do, we do, we like to play in transition and to do that well, it has to be something that just naturally happens. You know, when we get that defensive rebound, I don't want those other four girls that didn't get the rebound. I don't want them to have to think I want them to react. And so really, you know, what we do in practice is a huge part of that. So almost all of our drills, you know, we do our, our baseline to baseline. That's where we get our conditioning in. Like I said, I, I don't put them on the line a lot. Um, but one other piece of that, you know, everybody talks about wanting good shooters and you need that and, and wanting kids that are, are quick and good defenders. And, and you absolutely need that. But one of the things we really emphasize at our lower levels um, and things that I work on with the younger, you know, elementary, middle school kids is we got to have good ball handlers. Uh, you can't be a good transition transition team if you don't have kids that can handle the ball um, because we don't want to have a, to grab a rebound and then have to find somebody, uh-huh. you know, have to find a point guard to come back. We want to go. And so there's been times, uh, you know, Desta, who's our five, I have no problems at all. If Desta gets a rebound, she takes it up the floor herself. I have no issues with that because my guards are fast. But part of that is, uh, we don't want to do a lot of dribbling. And when we transition, uh, that ball gets advanced with the pass as much as we possibly can. And, and so I just have always felt like even when you play a team that's good in transition, it's still really, really hard to defend um, when you do it well. And we want to be a team that does it well. With your transition game, do you have 
you know, set running lanes, the two goes here, the three goes here, so forth and so on? Or is it just, hey, when you're in this situation, get wide. If you're here, yep. look to dive. You know, how do you teach that? Yep, and it, it, it really isn't necessary. It's, it's more rules, and it really doesn't matter. You know, like I said, we put five people on the floor that can handle the ball. Um, anybody can go. Our only rule is if you run through the middle of the floor, uh, only two people can run through the middle of the floor, the, the girl with the basketball and our five. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like the other the other three have to get out wide. It doesn't matter, you know, what side of the floor you're on. Um, and our rule is always you touch the block and you get out. So on transition, as that ball's coming across the floor, uh, you know, obviously, like I said, we want to move it with the pass more than the dribble. Um, but if you're, you know, if you're on that break, if you got around wide and, and you're on that break, as soon as your feet touch that block, you need to get out and, and get ready because a lot of times, you know, if you don't have the layup and you pop back out to the three-point line, you have that pass. You still have that five player coming down the middle of the floor. And, you know, that a lot of times by, by getting back out uh, after you touch the block, we're opening that lane up for our five. And, again, any one of the kids, I could put my point guard, you know, in the five position, and she could run it right because we drill it and we drill it and we drill it in practice. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, it really isn't like it says, not necessarily I need this kid in this spot. This is my one. This is my two player. We really don't have that. We just have rules. And in my one through five, they know what the rules are. And, and it takes a lot of time. You know, mm-hmm. I think next November, too, when we get our fresh group of, of uh, freshmen in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we start this process at the freshman level, at the JV level. And then by the time they get to the varsity level, um, they just react and they just go and they just do it. Mm-hmm. Speaking of your practices, how do you how do you set up your practices uh, for, for maximum uh, efficiency? And you're getting that transition game in there, but you're addressing uh, the the important things that are important to Central Lion girls basketball. How do you? Uh, what's a let's say second week of January? What's your practice typically going to look like on a on a Wednesday? Because you're not game prepping necessarily as much right. on Wednesday as you are Monday and Thursday. Right. Well, first of all, one thing that we've done, and it doesn't always work out like this, but you know. November till Christmas, you know, we have two hour practices. We have one court, so we share it. We're either early practice or late practice with the boys, depending on what week we're on. Um, after Christmas, uh, one of the things that we do is we shorten our practices up, mm-hmm. not because we feel like we're too good and we don't need that extra 30 minutes, but because I've learned again over the years, I've learned at that point in the season. Um, you know, my kids have a lot of wear and tear on yeah. their bodies. And so we shorten up practice by 30 minutes. Now, when I say shorten up practice, a lot of times the kids are still in the gym for two hours. Um, but we're done with like running and things like that at an hour and a half. That's where we, we make the cutoff. Um, and so if the kids at that time, if they, some of them want to stick around and if they want to shoot a little bit, they can, if they've got to get going and they you know want to get home a little earlier, they can do that too. Uh, but shortening up practices after Christmas, I really feel has been, been a big part of how we can finish well because those that extra 30 minutes of rest, getting those kids off of their legs, um, and especially since our practices are pretty much constant running, um, that's been huge. And I, and I feel like we've been able to save some legs that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that I do, regardless uh, of what time of the year it is, I use my clock. Um, I know a lot of coaches do this, um, but I have um, my managers. They have two jobs really at practice. One of them is to be run our clock, and the other one's to be our DJ, and I'll get into that a little <laughs> bit later. Um, but we have – I use my clock all the time. For one, I'm one that gets really – you know, I'll get focused on something, and I could find myself spending 30 minutes on one drill. 
And the thing is, is there's a lot of things we got to get to. And Mm -hmm. so using that clock has been just a huge tool for myself, but it also helps the girls because they know when the end is there, you know? So if we're running, you know, our Celtic drill or something where there's a lot of running and a lot of up and down, they can see that clock. I've got, I've got a minute and a half left. And then our whole thing is finish at the buzzer. Like don't stop working. And I think that helps the kids because they see that end, that end line, they see the finish line. And they finish better. Um, and so, you know, I'm not one. I'll never end a drill on a, on a bad rep. So mm-hmm. if, you know, we're running a drill and, and it looks absolutely terrible and the buzzer goes off, they know we're going to run it one more time. We always end uh, we always end on a positive, you know, good rep on any of the drills that we do. Um, I've got two assistant coaches, uh, you know, Greg Town, Jared DeBay, uh, you know, has a head coach. You've got to have good assistants. I don't want the assistants that are just going to do what I tell them to do. I want assistants that are going to give me their ideas, you know, give me their suggestions. And so those guys, uh, along with myself, uh, we're kind of scattered all over the gym. And, and we just continuously for, for the entire practice, uh, we're pushing the girls. And, and again, we use that clock to make sure that, that we get through everything. Um, so, yeah, that's a big part of it. Uh, and, and again, I have a detailed practice plan. I, I don't know. I'd be curious how long other coaches spend uh, getting their practice plans uh-huh. ready to go. But to me, you know, that's almost takes me longer to do my practice plan than have practice. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. you don't want to, you know, you want to make sure you're getting everything. You know, you look at your last game, what are, what are our concerns or what are the areas we got to work on? But then there's also those fundamental things that regardless, you want to hit every single day. And so using that clock and, again, having a very detailed uh, practice plan uh, down to this is how much time we're spending here, uh, that's to me has been really helpful. We use stations uh, a lot. So, again, I've got, I'm very fortunate. I've got two assistant coaches that are phenomenal. And all how three many, of us. How many, get, uh, how many kids do you have between your JV and varsity then? I've got uh, this year we had 27. Okay. All right. So, so you, which you around got about here is eight or nine numbers. kids per station. Then. Yeah. Yep, independent. And some of the couple of the stations that we have, depending, um, like our free throw station, they don't need it. They don't need a coach there. Yeah. Um, so depending on what we're doing that day, uh, we try to keep our, our the stations that we do. We try to keep it at you know maybe four or five kids, um, mm-hmm. simply because we want to make sure that if we're doing stations, every station kids should be moving. There shouldn't be anybody standing. I, that's my biggest pet peeve. I think that's a Coach Wildster thing. Uh, but my biggest pet peeve is when we're doing something and I've got kids standing around. Even when we're shooting free throws, like just in between drills, if we're just taking a moment to, to shoot some free throws, the girls that aren't shooting have a basketball in their hand and they're doing ball handling, stationary ball handling while they're waiting for their turn to shoot. Like, I just don't like people sitting around and, and my, my coaches are, are like-minded with that. So we try to keep everybody moving and keep them going. Um, so yeah, with the stations, um, each of the coaches that, you know, myself, my two assistants, we each kind of have a different uh, area that we really feel strongly, something that we really like to focus on. Uh, coach Town, for example, um, he is, he's the post coach. Like he's really good at, you know, footwork. He's really good at fit, having kids finish around the rim. And so we don't just have our post players do those drills. You know, my, my point guards do too. Um, and so Coach Town does a great job. So he always, uh, you know, the day or the morning before practice, I'll shoot a text out to the coaches and say, hey, Coach Town, you got post players for, you know, for four minute or five minute uh, station today. Do whatever you want to do with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then uh, Coach DeBay uh, really enjoys, you know, he's a lot of different areas that he likes to uh, to focus on. But he's been very helpful when it comes to finishing, again, especially from the outside uh, off the dribble. 
uh, attacks and things like that. Um, and just shooting in general, he does a great job of, of doing that. So again, I'll shoot him a message that says, Hey, you know, coach, you're going to have, uh, you're going to have the girls for five minutes, you know, do some sort of a attack or a shooting uh, station with them. Um, one thing after Christmas, what really is nice about stations is um, it gives me time to, if I want to grab just a couple kids individually, pull them out of stations and just work with those two mm-hmm. or three kids on something that, I, that I'm seeing. Yeah. Uh, it frees me up to do that. Otherwise, we, you know, I like to do rebounding drills. I've always, uh, you know, I, I can't say as a player defense was my uh, – you know, the most positive part of my game. Yeah. Um, but as a coach, I've really learned to love coaching defense. And so a lot of times, you know, we'll do, uh, you know, box out drills, stuff like that as well. So, you know, station work for me is huge because, again, the kids get through a number of fundamental things. Uh, it's They're really short and quick. And the girls seem to be extremely motivated while we're doing them because they know they're so short. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get through a lot in the, during that station time. Mm-hmm. Where do you usually drop that station work at in your practice? Want to know more about a pen and a napkin and all the resources it offers? Go to apenandanapkin.com, a great resource for any coach at any level. In addition to our A Pen and a Napkin University video library options that are available to order, we have hundreds of pages of notes, from one-page handouts to book breakdowns to original coaching notes. We also have coaching links, a full catalog of every A Pen and a Napkin podcast, and ways to contribute to the growth of A Pen and a Napkin. A pen and a napkin.com is a coaching resource that will help you become a better coach. Try to do it somewhere in the middle. We don't want, we always want to end with something competitive. We always want to start with something competitive. So oftentimes after, again, we go up and down, we go baseline to baseline a lot. After we do that, uh, you know, for a while, the station, then we'll go into that station time. Typically after stations, we'll, we'll just kind of take a break, shoot some free throws. And like I said, even when we're shooting free throws, uh, the girls that aren't shooting are doing stationary ball handling stuff. Um, and then we always end practice then getting up and down the floor a little bit more again. And then if we're going to go over any offensive half-court set stuff, we'll do that then. Mm-hmm. Coach, you, uh, you talked about your pillars and building your culture. Uh, I really appreciate you sharing that with, with me. Uh, I, I really, you, know, you, you mentioned in your notes that you sent me, you know, this is, uh, like most of us, you're a replicator. Uh, and you took a lot of stuff from John Wooden and Pat Summit, and you tweaked it and made it your own. Uh, but you talked about how kind of that, that you had that talented team that one season that, you know, was really talented, but maybe didn't play as much as a team as they should have. And, and that was kind of the, the synthesis of this. Uh, you know, go through, you know, if you wouldn't mind your, your pillars of success and everything that you guys kind of put into that to, to build that up. And how do you emphasize that to your team on a daily, weekly, yearly basis? Sure, absolutely. You know, and that was, like I said, the biggest take from that Emmitsburg game was, you know, the kids know the expectations. They know me as a person um, and they know what I want for, for the program, but it had never really been put in put into print. Like it had never been somewhere where you can see it. It was just like, well, I just kind of assumed all the kids understood. And so that was something I, and it sounds crazy, but it took me most of the summer to really kind of nail down what exactly we wanted in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, when you look at it, the, the biggest thing at the bottom, which, you know, nothing else above that matters if you don't have that foundation, but uh, mutual respect and cooperation, working as a team. Um, a lot of this stuff, you know, if you look at, and again, I know the listeners don't have a copy of it, but 
we'll, a lot we'll, uh, of the we'll put it on. We'll we'll put it out there. If you don't mind, I'll put it out there when we when we. Drop uh, as long as you yeah. make sure that I don't want to get copyright because I totally stole. You know, a lot of like I said, I stole it from uh, Pat Summit's uh, Definite Dozen, Coach Wooden's Pyramid. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, as long as you put a disclaimer out, so nobody yeah. comes back from your copyright. I guess that, that's fine with me. They can they can um, they can sue me. All all they're gonna get is a couple of uh, mothballs in my pocket. There anyway, you go. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the the, the foundation of our program truly is. Uh, cooperation working as a team and you know I think the group of kids if if you spend you know the group I just had last season you spend any amount of time with them you'll realize first of all before basketball they just really love each other Um, you know they love being around each other they've got each other's backs Um, and so to me that was a a huge part of it so the, the the foundation of it is just to have that respect for each other that cooperation understanding that even in life sometimes you might work with somebody that Maybe you just don't see eye to eye with or, or somebody that you find it difficult to work with, but you have to find a way. I mean, as adults, we know that, you know, you're not always going to be around people that are like minded like you and you have to find a way to uh, to work with them. And and so that was a huge part of that. You know, part of that foundation as well goes into uh, as coaches we make sure the kids understand their role. And, and, you know, we talked already about, you know, my role at Northwestern under, you know, with Rachel Benaboos being there. And, and, you know, for me as a coach, trying to always tell my kids, you know, here's, here's your job. You do it well. Thank you. Um, you know, this is a, you're a huge part of what we do. That kind of falls in that too, is respecting uh, your teammates and the role that they play. I can't have, I can't have a, you know, somebody that's in the starting lineup talking down or, are, you know, looking at somebody that sits at the end of the bench as, as, you know, not being as important, you know, their, their job isn't to get their water bottle or, to, you know, get a towel for them. They have to understand that each one of your teammates deserves respect because they each have a job. It's a lot tougher to be the kid at the end of the bench than it is to be the starter because yeah. you aren't getting in that game. You know, you're not getting, uh, you know, those opportunities. And yet those kids, you know, again, going back to my team this year, those kids that were on our scout team, those kids that maybe didn't get in very much, they were bought in, and, and that was a huge part of our success. We didn't have a cancer on this team. We didn't have a, a kid who was upset about their role and they were going to make life miserable in the locker room or, you know, talk talk badly about their teammates that, you know, had other opportunities. We didn't have that. Like, they literally uh, respected each other, and, and that's the foundation of our pyramid. Um, and then the, the kind of the pillars that are built on top of that, there really is no – hierarchy as far as one being more important than the other um but a huge one body body language positive communication and body language um you know talk to the girls about you know again going back to the emmisburg game going you know if you were watching us you know when that when the game got you know down to the end and and it looked like things weren't going to go our way you could just see some of some of the players just their body language was like they were giving up and Mm -hmm. and you know sometimes if you pull a kid out of a game and they didn't want to come out of the game and they get on the bench and, and through just without any words at all, just through their body language, um, you just know, you energy can, vampire. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we had talked about that. You know, I'm a coach. I've done it numerous times where I've taken game film. And if the cameras panned out far enough, uh, you know, I'll take a kid that had some negative body language. I'll pull them, you know, before practice the next day, I'll pull them aside. I'll say, watch this. Look at yourself. Is this is this what you want to look like? And so usually it's surprise, but one time of them seeing themselves on camera, you know, with negative body language, for me, at least for my kids, it's fixed it. Like they don't want to be like that. 
Um, but again, these are these are kids that were, you know, part of our job is to, is to help them become better adults. And and so sometimes you have to have those tough conversations with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but positive, you know, even this something as simple as when somebody comes off the floor, everybody on our bench gets up uh, and gives them a high five. Um, you know, you need to be engaged. Even if you're not going to get in the game, you need to be engaged with what's happening. Um, but a lot of that goes back to all of them understanding if they get on the floor or not, that they have a role. And us winning isn't just about the kids on the floor. Uh, so that positive communication, body language, that's a, that's a big part of it. And as a, as a coaching staff, this year we've committed to if a kid has negative body language, we've got to get them off the floor. Where in past years, you know, I, as a head coach, you know, I tolerated some of that to a degree going, okay, well, they'll snap out of it or try to give them some encouraging words. You know, now it's a zero tolerance. If you have negative body language, you're off the floor. Um, and so that's a big deal. Uh, the next one that we have there is confidence with humility. Um, I talked with you earlier about how much I, I just really respect my Uncle Jeff just because he's such a humble guy. Like, you would never know the amount of success that he's had um, by just talking to him. He's not going to brag himself up or whatever. Well, as players, I want my kids to be confident. We always tell the kids that arrogance is when you tell everybody how good you are confidence is just knowing that you're good um so i want kids that know that they're good i want kids that are confident when they get the ball i don't want kids that are arrogant about it um Mm -hmm. you know that goes back to our program we don't want to be a program like that and so i'm very very fortunate i've got kids that are extremely talented they work hard but they're also very humble and and that's a big deal to me Uh, and so that's why that's one of those pillars as well um you know the next one work ethic and talent I don't care what anybody says, you need talented kids. You know, you can have the best practice plans. You can have the best of whatever. But if you don't have kids that have talent uh, and have a skill set, it's going to be hard, uh, you know, to really be successful and competitive. And so, you know, with that pillar, just challenging those kids outside of, you know, our time together. If you want to be a ball player, if you want to get on the floor, you got to put the time in Uh, and building a work ethic where, you might have to sacrifice things. You might have to sacrifice, you know, going out with friends to get in the gym, you know? Uh, and those are, the kids have to decide if that's what they want or not. But that's definitely a big part of our pillar as well is simply having kids that develop a hard, strong work ethic and have that talent. Mm-hmm. Um, poison self-control uh, is another one of them. And, you know, on the floor, you can't let your emotions get the best of you. That's, you know, anybody that's, you know, if you ever watched a film of me, as a young coach till now, the biggest thing you're going to see is I'm a lot calmer. Yeah. Um, you know, and when I was a young coach coming off of a really good program at Northwestern, I'd love to win. Uh, I'm really competitive. And I know at times, you know, even as a coach, even as a player, um, my emotions would get the best of me. Uh, I can remember as a player being at Morningside, uh, another big rival at that point, Jamie Sale had, had left Briarcliff. He was coaching at Morningside then. And so then they became, you know, kind of our rivals and, and I remember coming off the floor and I punched a chair. I was so mad. And, and I think back to it now and I'm like, God, if one of my kids ever pulled that, I'd be so mad at him. Uh, but I did. And and Coach Waustra, you know, within seconds was standing right next to me. You do not do that again. And he held me accountable and I've never forgotten that. Um, but, you know, that's an example of having self-control. Um, I and hope so the chair didn't my- punch you back, though. It didn't, but it definitely made a really loud noise. So (laughs) I I did a really great job of calling a lot of attention to myself, which, again, at the time, you know, I was just so mad because we were losing. And coach was pulling us out and kind of putting some of the subs in. So that was kind of, you know, kind of waving the white flag, so to speak. And I didn't want to give up yet. And, 
you know, obviously, you know, I, I, it, it impacted me. And, it, you know, even weeks later, I looked back at that and thought, boy, that was not the, the best decision I've ever made. But it was something that made me better. Even as a coach, being able to share that example with my kids going, you know what, you can be competitive and not punch a chair. Like, it's it's okay. Um, but, yeah, just wanting to my kids to understand that part of being a successful, great team is having self-control, being poised while you're out there. You can just tell teams uh, that have that uh, that confidence, uh, but those teams that don't let their emotions uh, get the best of them. Uh-huh. And so a lot of that comes back to maturity um, as well. But that's a goal of ours as well is to just make sure we always play with poise, whether we're winning or losing, uh, and always to exhibit that, that self-control. Um, and then the last uh, pillar there is loyalty to the team. Um, you know, this is these kids, they get pulled a lot of different directions. Uh, there's a lot of choices that high school kids make. And, and so if you're loyal to your team, you're going to be doing things uh, that are going to positively impact it. You're not going to be out there drinking and, and, you know, vaping or whatever else kids like to do. You're going to understand that your team needs to come first uh, and that that comes before anything that happens on the weekends. You know, part of being loyal to your team is showing up. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we've talked a lot about when you come to practice, be ready to go. Like your team needs you. If, if you're the scout team, it doesn't matter. We need you and we need you at your best. And so just having loyalty to our team, um, we always talk about how, you know, uh, positive talk, you know, even up in the stands, we, we really uh, push for our parents, you know, be respectful of the officials, be respectful of the coaches and, you know, the girls as well. Um, but just make sure that you have that team loyalty and, and that, uh, the actions that you're doing, the things that you're doing are representing Central Lion the way we want it to be represented. And at the very top of that um, is team greatness and success. So in our, our approach to this is, you know, if we can do those things, if we can pull together and, and keep those, um, you know, those characteristics in check, hold each other accountable, we are going to have success and we are going to be, uh, you know, as good as we can be, whether that's, you know, I think to the state championship game uh, this year, those girls gave me everything they had. You know, I could mm-hmm. not have been more proud of them had we won um, because I truly knew in the locker room after the game was done, I looked and the look on their face tells me they had nothing left. Yeah. Um, that was that. And, and, and Dyke New Hartford is just really good. Yeah. Um, you know, if we play them again, do we think we can beat them? I think we have a shot at it. But at the same time, Dyke New Hartford's very good. And mm-hmm. so, you know, just knowing that at the end of this season, we truly were uh, you know, competitive. It was, it was, that was our success. Yep. So yep. the pillars have been really helpful with that. Yeah. Um, last thing here, coach, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about, about your summer stuff and kind of developing your players over the summer. You sent something in about, or, you know, when, with the stuff that you sent me about uh 10,000 shot club, yeah. uh, how do you, how do you track those type of things? Uh, as we head into the, uh, what we call at our place, we call it improvement season. Uh, how do you how do you track those things? How do you keep how do you uh, hold your kids accountable to it? Uh, what's kind of your basic structure of your summer program? Sure, and you know we start at all levels. Um, we try to give opportunities to the kids, and that's the biggest thing is is, is just giving them opportunities. Actually, tomorrow, yep, Monday tomorrow. Uh, we have a three-on-three league that I start with my fifth and sixth graders. I love three-on-three. Um, the fact that it's now an Olympic sport is is awesome. But I've always, uh, you know, we, we incorporate three-on-three even into our high school practices because, you know, when you got three kids on there, even, you know, defense or offense, 
uh, there's just more opportunities there. You know, running screen and rolls without some, you know, two extra players out there. It's different. Defending, you know, with just three of you instead of five, you know, those three kids have to work a little bit harder. And so we do a, a it's just like a, depending on what the school schedule looks like, three or four Mondays where I'll pull in my fifth and sixth grade girls um, and they just come and we just play. Uh, we learn, you know, we'll do a little uh, skills thing before that. Um, and then we just get them into groups and we just have some fun. Uh-huh. You know, the big thing with any program is if these kids aren't having fun, then you're wasting your time. You know, we try to make it, you know, I mentioned earlier uh, in practice, we use music uh, all the time. Uh, part of my, my manager's job is to be the DJ. And, and so, you know, when we're explaining something, the managers have it turned off. Yeah. And if we're doing a drill where it's just like, okay, we just got it, we're getting reps in or whatever, uh, that music's going and the kids are going. And, and so we try to keep everything fun, even at the varsity level. Um, but yeah, so we do these three on three leagues, um, you know, here and there, kind of sprinkled in, obviously outside of our own season, but when my schedule allows for it, uh, we'll pull that in. Um, we do workouts with my uh, elementary, middle school, so more upper elementary into our middle school uh, every Monday morning in June. Uh, I have two different sessions that come in and, and my high school girls help me out with that, which is a huge part of building a program because mm-hmm. those young girls, especially after the year we just had, those young girls look at these high school girls and, and to be able to work with, you know, Desta Hugadorn or Reagan Benoit or Kaylee Davis or whatever, for those little kids, that's a huge impact on yeah. them. And so those, my high school girls help me out a lot with that um, as well. And so usually in July is when we're going to team camps. So then we aren't, we aren't able to work with the younger kids as much. So June is really a a month where we work with the young kids. Um, the 10,000 shot challenge, that's something I've kind of taken from, uh, every place that I've been. Um, but what it is, is it's open to pretty much anybody, uh, for the, um, for the girls from elementary, middle school, all the way up to my varsity kids. Um, but we give like a shooting workout. Um, they can choose some of them do workouts, you know, in other places up in Sioux Falls and stuff. So they can count that too. One thing we have changed is um, counting shots, you know, can be kind of difficult. If you go out there, you're not counting how many shots you take or whatever. Yeah. So we actually have like a little, a little formula that we put together a couple years ago that says if you're, you know, if you go out and shoot for 20 minutes and you're constant, like you're going mm-hmm. 20 minutes of shooting, you should be able to get this many shots in. And yep. parents have appreciated that because some parents were out there helping their kid count shots. And so that's really been helpful as well. It really is a lot of it's on the parents, too, because I can't watch these kids shoot. So, you know, we have a disclaimer on there that says, parents, you have to be a part of this. And if you sign this paper and you tell me they got these shots up on this day, then I'm going to take your word for it. Um, And so those parents as well, helping those kids stay accountable. Uh, But with the 10,000 shot challenge, but with that, uh, a few years ago, we also incorporated a ball handling. Um, component to it so to actually get the 10,000 shot you know the the your name on the board it's not just about your shooting you also have to get and I can't remember right now what it is but you also have to get x amount of minutes of ball handling in as well mm-hmm. and so it's not just shooting it's also ball handling um, and we do like with my Monday morning workouts uh, even with the three-on-three league uh, we'll crank the music on and I'll bring the you know I'll take the kids through through uh, some ball handling stuff um, and it's just fun. We keep everything fun. We keep everything competitive. Uh, we don't try to overkill. We don't try to keep them in the gym for three hours. Uh, yeah. We just make it fun. And then when we send them out, we give them some homework, so to speak, if, if they want to do it. And uh, so, yeah, the 10,000 shots, the Monday morning workouts, all that kind of ties together. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of work together with that. One thing that we're starting this year, we haven't done it for a while, 
um, but we're going to have a competition uh, for our elementary for boys and girls uh, where they're going to come in and, and we're going to do this. You know, our high school kids are going to walk them through uh, kind of a little basketball competition with shooting and passing and so on. Um, I did something like that growing up in Little Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always called it pass, shoot, and dribble. And that for me, you know, I, I the boys and girls were in the same division. And so I was typically the only girl or maybe there was one other girl. And then we had a very athletic, I had a very athletic group of, of boys in my class. So I never, I never won that competition. And the boys that I graduated with, one's my cousin. They still like to, <laughs> to, to kind of burn me on that a little bit. Yeah. But the whole point is I remember competing. I remember, you know, part of my love for basketball started back when I was in third grade. And so to have opportunities for kids here at Central Lion, uh, it's just going to help grow our programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, again, something that we try to do. Uh, and we have such a supportive community. What a unique thing this year to have both our boys and girls uh, basketball teams qualify for state and both make it to the state championship game. Yep. Um, and we have such an awesome community here in Rock Rapids and the surrounding towns that support us, support the camps. I mean, anytime I have like in June when I do my Monday morning workouts, I have a, a gym full of kids every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so just the support that we get, uh, it it makes this just a lot of fun to be a part of the Central Lion family and, and just is, a, is great for my program. Mm-hmm. Couldn't say it any better myself, Coach. Uh, any any social media you want to plug for yourself or your program? Well, we have our uh, Twitter page. Uh, so pretty, anything that I find on, on Twitter uh, that I think is, you know, uh, something that's, you know, something I want to remember or something that I think is good, you know, I'll typically put out. Uh, so CL Girls Hoops is our Twitter handle. Um, and so we use that a lot. Um, but, you know, one, I guess, final thing here as we finish up, um, for coaches, I think it was last year or the year before, it gets, especially when you have a good team and you know the expectations are high, you know, priorities. That's one thing as a coach I've learned. Uh, I think it was last year or two years ago, I actually had to put a sign on my mirror uh, and it said Christ Family Basketball. Um, because sometimes basketball, you know, especially when you get close to postseason, Basketball seems to take take precedence over everything else. Yep. And over the years as a coach, I've found that any time that prior, my priorities aren't in that order, things don't go well. And so this year as well, you know, to have that sign is actually, I put it in my locker now over at the school. Uh, so every practice, before every practice, I open my locker. Um, but keeping Christ at the center of everything we do. You know, one thing you'll notice with um, the pillars that I talked about, a lot of those pillars in some way, shape or form also kind of connect with the fruits of the spirit. And so where we don't do, uh, you know, Bible studies as a team, I, I do help with the FCA here at Central Lion, and a lot of my kids are, are part of Fellowship of Christian Athletes, which is great. Um, but we also know, I think it was uh, Ed Thomas. You know Ed Thomas. You've yep. heard of him, I'm From sure. Appleton Parkersburg, um, his, yep. Oh, his book. Have you read uh, Sacred Acre? I have not. It is the short, short, quick, very quick read, but I tell you what, it's awesome. But in there, Ed Thomas uh, for anybody that doesn't know, Ed Thomas was the uh, football coach over at Appleton Parkersburg, um, and he was actually uh, shot by one of his former players in the weight room. And his story is, is just amazing. Um, I honestly didn't know Ed Thomas before all that happened, but since then I've, has, I've read his book and so on. But in his book, he had made the comment, you may be the only Bible somebody reads. And I think as a coach, that just really hit me that you know, the kids are looking at me, you know, they're looking at how I react to things and and they're looking at me and how I handle not just basketball, but life. And so, you know, I've just really that reminder that, you know, Christ needs to stay at the center of what I do. You know, my hope is that when my kids, you know, graduate from Central Lion, 
that they won't just be, you know, oh, we had a good basketball team. I want them to be good people and I want them to be stronger Christians. And and so uh, just to be able to have the opportunity, God kind of gave me basketball as, uh, as my, as, as my, my vehicle, as far as, uh, you know, trying to show, you know, Christ's love, uh, you know, in, in some way to these kids. And, and so Ed Thomas, you know, you think about, you know, influence, like I said, I didn't, I'm not a football coach. I don't know that much about football and then I like to watch it, but reading his book was, was really influential to me. Um, and something that I hope any coach, if you, if you want a good quick read, you need to read the sacred acre. It really is great. Um, but you know, someday I don't, I don't want my program just to be about, you know, winning or losing it. It's gotta be bigger than that. And so just again, you know, coaches that are listening to you, one thing I've learned is you gotta keep your priorities, even in the seasons where you're doing really well and and everything is going really well, you need to keep your priorities straight. And and for me, uh, that means, you know, keeping Christ at the center of everything that we do. Uh Coach Graffin, can't thank you enough for your time here this uh, this afternoon. I, I hope you've enjoyed your time on on the podcast here. Yeah, well, thank you. I was honored. I, you got a lot of coaches that follow you. I don't know. I feel like uh, there's a lot of other ones that other people would probably <laughs> rather listen to, but uh, I definitely appreciate the opportunity. Well, you did a terrific job today. There's going to be a bunch of stuff that people are going to get out of it. I know I've written down a lot of stuff here as I've been listening to you. So, uh, you know, I really love the pillars, and and uh, you've just built a heck of a program there. In, in Rock Rapids, and, uh, you know, just take it easy on my Sheldon Orabs, all right? <laughs> all right, we'll do the best we can. All right, well, if you could hold the line here real quick, uh, we're going we're to wrap everything up again. Uh, Heather Graffing, the head head uh, girls basketball coach at Central Lion High School in Rock Rapids, Iowa. We want to thank her for coming on here today. Uh, again, we want to thank our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at a pen and a napkin. Download, rate, and review this podcast. Give us five stars. Give us a little love out there in the in the podcasting world. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Uh, again, check out a pen and a napkin.com. We got a lot of new stuff. Just put on a new book breakdown uh, two days ago. Uh, called The Messiah Method, a really, really good book. It's a soccer book, but there's so many good things about coaching. And then, of course, if you would be willing, uh, visit our Patreon page. Any support to help keep uh, a pen and a napkin going and expanding our our thoughts and our concepts and ideas would be greatly appreciated. Uh, Again, big thanks to Heather Graffing for coming on here today. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.